1: I am Dean Linky, proud to be the host of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, and always happy to step aside when Christian Lavers has an amazing guest.
2: This is Christian Lavers, president and CEO of the ECNL. And on today's edition of Breaking the Line, we spend time with a very special guest, U.S. soccer's Didier Chamberon, their director of coach education.
3: This is Didier Chambaron. It was a great honor to spend time with Christian on the ECNL podcast.
2: So please join me and Didier on this special edition of the ECNL podcast as we look at Didier's background in the game, which took
1: him to almost every country in the world, and U.S. soccer's future in coaching education. And this fantastic interview starts after this message from the ECNL.
0: As the game continues to evolve in the United States, the ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country. With a robust competition platform for teams, educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs, collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean.
1: In February of 2021, U.S. soccer promoted Frenchman Didier Chambouron to director of coaching education. Before joining U.S. soccer six years ago as assistant director of coaching education and the A licensed technical lead, Chamberon served nine years as a FIFA instructor. He was also the Oceania Confederation's head of coach education from 2010 to 2016 and head coach of New Caledonia's national team in 2007 to 2010. His journey is incredible and his vision for U.S. soccer just as incredible. Now visiting with Mr. Chambarone is the CEO and president of the ECNL, Christian Labors.
2: Thank you very much, Dean, for that introduction. I'll just go turn it over right away to you, Didier. Why don't you give us a little bit of background about yourself, talk about your journey in the game, where you started, where you're from, and then we'll eventually get to what you're doing now.
3: Thank you, Christian. So Didier, Didier Chambarone, I'm French with uh, not a very good uh, English accent. So sorry for, for that. So born in uh, south of uh, France a long time ago. And um, I had uh, uh, regional and uh, amateur, I was close, but I never made uh, so, so a professional, uh, professional career. I started very early in, uh, in uh, coaching. So I had an opportunity to become a player coach very early and uh, I realized uh, it was something I was very passionate about coaching. I had opportunity uh, um, at national level with, uh, with different, uh, different club in, uh, in, uh, in France. And I got my, uh, my license uh, when I was uh, 30. And then I had the uh, opportunity to work with uh, the French Federation. Then I took uh, a master degree in, uh, in sport management and this combination uh, uh, gave me opportunity to uh, uh, to develop my network with uh, UFR, with uh, FIFA.
2: What was it that got you into coaching originally?
3: One day, the club decided to uh, to let the coach go. I was uh, playing at uh, Division 4, Division, Division 4, and uh, they gave me this opportunity. I thought uh, I could do both. Uh, as playing, a player coach? As a player coach. It was very difficult. Uh, very difficult at uh, at the beginning, so I said, "Why not?" And it was uh, it was a difficult uh, difficult transition, but quickly I saw uh, it's something I was passionate about, was passionate about, passionate about uh, the game, of course, but also passionate about uh, teaching and helping people to uh, to learn uh, style of play. So that's how it uh, how it started, but quickly I realized. Uh, Knowledge about the game is uh, is one, but I needed education. Uh, so I started to uh, to make some research before um, stepping in the the coach education pathway.
2: What year was this?
3: It was I was uh, it was twenty five years ago, I believe.
2: Okay, and and how would you describe the the French coaching education pathway at that time when you started it? What what was it, and, and how is it different than maybe it is now?
3: Yeah, I think uh, uh, education has changed in the past. It was uh, it was very uh, rigid. Uh, so the, the French Federation was uh, very very uh, strong with their with uh, with their beliefs in terms of coaching process. So it was not about focusing on a specific style of play, a specific game model. At that time, it was uh, it was the coaching uh, the coaching process, understanding who is in front of us. And then, based on that, uh, trying to to create uh, uh, a training methodology, to uh, and to use different different methods to help uh, players uh, uh, learning. So that was uh, that's, uh, that was um, the direction given by the federation at uh, at that time.
2: You also did uh, a degree uh, as well. Once you got into the pathway, a university degree.
3: Yeah, I um I took a master degree in uh, sport management um, I was fortunate to uh, to work with uh, Olympic Olympic de Marseille and um and different uh, different organizations including uh, UFA and uh, and uh, and FIFA so it gave me opportunity to uh, to look beyond coaching uh, uh, when we are part of a, a club or a big organization uh, the coaching staff represents uh, A very important uh, component of uh, the the club, but we need to be able to collaborate with other departments. We need to understand what uh, what their job is, and we need to find ways to uh, to have an uh, to have an impact and to uh, to get what is necessary to improve our our performance environment. I would say so. For me, it was it was a very important. uh, part of my uh, of my pathway, it opened my mind, and I realized there was a lot of things I uh, I I didn't know, and a lot of things very important for uh, for for coaching. Actually,
2: I believe that is not very common for people to have both the coach licensure and that go through the technical pathway, but also do things <laughs> in terms of business management or sport management. There's not a lot of people that combine both of those. Who were some of the mentors or some of the people that influenced you the most, either in the education process, with the license, or with the university?
3: When I decided to embrace this uh, career and to develop uh, uh, multiple competencies in different areas, uh, I invested uh, a lot of money and a lot of time uh, traveling uh, in Europe. So I traveled uh, in Spain, I traveled in England, in Italy, trying to understand how it it works, how a club uh, works, not just looking at uh, the soccer soccer piece, but uh, trying to understand the the soccer world and the the soccer business but not just in one specific country, in different countries with different uh, different culture. So I met so many people, so many people had an influence on uh, on my life. It wouldn't be to't be fair to just to to mention uh, to mention one, but uh, yeah Arsene Wenger uh, is uh, is of course one of them.
2: When you traveled around and you saw the different cultures, obviously, and I think there's more travels that you went on that we'll get to here in a little bit. How important do you look at culture of the country or culture of the specific city or region when you look at the soccer or the playing philosophy or the club structure? How important do you believe culture is and why?
3: Culture for me is non-negotiable. It's, it comes before soccer. It's, uh, if we are not able to understand uh, the environment, if we are not able to connect with people, even if you have the best knowledge of soccer, you will never, 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 never help the club and players to, uh, to grow. For me, culture is, uh, is vital and it starts with uh, making yourself vulnerable and recognizing there is a lot of things you don't know so listening is uh, is very important collecting uh, collecting information and then once we have all this information it's time to bring everything together and to work on uh, a specific a specific style of play or or, or game model but it's, our game is is fantastic because it's about it's about people it's about people, and it's not—it's uh, not about a playbook. It's a—it's a—it's a mental game, and it's a mental game where we have to to make a lot of uh, a lot of decisions. So we really need to uh, to to know who's in front of us, and we really need to find ways
2: to engage them in learning. Really well said. You finished your A license and you graduated from university around what year?
3: I think it was. Uh, 1996 something like that
2: okay and then what, what was the next step then in, in your coaching career
3: I had an opportunity to work with uh, a French uh, a French territory a French uh, small country in Oceania called New Caledonia and um, I went there uh, without my wife and uh, I wanted to get out of my comfort zone and uh, it worked well I had uh, had good results in terms of uh, uh, yeah results, but uh, also in terms of uh, player development.
2: Where is New Caledonia? It's in, it's uh,
3: next, uh, between Australia and New Zealand. Just around the corner from France. Absolutely, absolutely. And I was there on behalf of the French Federation, and so I started to be involved in coach education. It worked well, and uh, at that time, uh, they were looking for... Um, Coach educators for trying to uh, to help countries, small countries uh, from this region, to uh, to start coach education in uh, in their countries, and very far I had the profile to, uh, especially because I was able to communicate, to understand people, and to understand uh, uh, to understand specificities of these different countries. So I had opportunity to. Uh, Yeah, to work uh, with uh, a lot of uh, small countries in this uh, this region, and um, one day they asked me if I I would be interested in uh, working for the confederation, Oceania uh, uh, Football Confederation, based in um, in New Zealand in Auckland. So with different uh, different roles for coach education, but also support for uh, youth national team and also implementation of. um national academy uh, f- funded and supported by uh, by fifa
2: was that a national academy for players or for coaches
3: for for players for players
2: wow so you go from france to new caledonia then from new caledonia to new zealand
3: yeah and, and- um and then at some point uh it went well and uh, i got more i got more opportunities and uh I became director of uh, coach education. We've also uh, role uh, as a um, consultant for FIFA. Uh, so I went out of uh, uh, Oceania region and I started working with, uh, with some Asia countries.
2: You have the experience beginning in, in France and then a little bit with UEFA, then with some Asian countries in Oceania and the Oceania Confederation. And obviously now you're on COCACAF. How would you compare the different federations that you've worked out or the different confederations? All Federation
3: face uh, the same challenges, but they are face challenges but they are different. To me again, it starts with uh, it starts with uh, understanding the environment. Uh, that's always uh, the starting point. So I always take time to uh, to identify uh, to identify key stakeholder and uh, key people to, uh, uh, to make an analysis of uh, current situation and and uh, and, uh, and needs, and after we start uh, we start planning. So I can't compare I can't compare countries. I I worked also in uh, in Africa. It's uh, different realities, different um, different people. The game is the same. The environment is the environment is uh, is different. After yeah, we need to consider the level of education, uh, development of the country, resources, uh, facilities. Uh, so for me, that's something very, very important. I also take time to to look at the political situation before before traveling. All these uh, um, all these steps allow uh, us to. Uh, Uh, to get ready when we step in uh, the country or when we step in a specific
2: environment. Well, this is fantastic, but it's time for us to take a break. So we'll be back with Didier Chamberon. More breaking the line after these messages.
1: The ECNL is pleased to announce Quick Goal as the official goal provider and partner for ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys, a new partnership created to support the growth and development of the country's top players, clubs, and coaches. At all national events, including national playoffs and national finals, the Quick Goal Coaches Corner will provide hospitality and social space for ECNL Girls, ECNL Boys, and collegiate coaches. Quick Goal will also be the presenting sponsor of the national championship winning ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys Coaches of the Year and the ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys Goals of the Year. Quick Goal looks forward to helping the ECNL continue to elevate the standards of youth soccer and provide more opportunities to players on and off the field in the coming years.
0: Nike is a proud sponsor of ECNL Girls. Nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities. You can't stop sport, because hashtag you can't stop our voices. Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade the studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL.
2: So we're back with Didier Chamboran, U.S. Soccer Director of Coach Education, and we've followed his career so far from France to New Caledonia to New Zealand to a variety of different stops across Oceania. Now we'll continue, Didier, with what happened next. Where'd you go next from Asia?
3: First of all, I took um, my pro license in Asia. So mostly in uh, in Australia. So for me it was also interesting to to understand um, a new country where uh, the where soccer was uh, was not the, the most popular game. So I see a lot of similarities with uh, with the, the U.S so it helped me to, uh, to set up good foundation to work with in, in this type of uh, environment so I took my pro license in uh, in, uh, in Asia. And uh, one day, working with uh, work, working with uh, FIFA, I was in Belgium. I had um, opportunity to meet with uh, Dave Chesler. So Dave was uh, the director of uh, coach education for the US, and I was fascinated by uh, by the, the, the what he shared with me. And a few months after, he uh, he called me back and. Uh, asked me if i could be interested in in working in uh, in the us and um yeah so uh we took this opportunity i always travel with my family for 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 us it's very important so when we decide to get somewhere it's not with uh, this idea to uh, to move uh, in uh, in two years so it's a it's a fantastic experience so we have been in the us now for uh, for six years and uh, six years and a half. I started uh, as um, a licensed technical uh, technical lead, working with Dave Chesler and then uh, Nico Romein, Barry, and uh, Barry Powers. And Barry uh, uh, has been offered uh, a new position within the, the Federation. I tried to move the, the process forward because they all have established. Uh, a good uh, good foundation. Now it's uh, trying to uh, to elevate uh, standards and uh, to provide all coaches across the, the US from grassroots to to the highest level with uh, with um, education.
2: Let me back up for a second here and get some of the chronology correct. So, when did you come to the US? 2016.
3: Yeah, 2016.
2: Between the US and 2016, and your pro license in Australia. I believe you spent some time in Africa. Is that correct? Yeah. So working for
3: FIFA, I, uh, I had uh, a couple of uh, uh, missions with uh, different countries in uh, in uh, in Africa, Nigeria, Ivory Coast, Ghana, uh, Morocco, Algeria, and uh, I might forget some, Senegal.
2: What years were those?
3: Yeah, between, uh, between uh, 2010 and 2000, uh, 2016.
2: I mean, that's a pretty incredible background you have from Europe to Asia, to Africa, now to the U.S. I can't imagine there's very many people that have worked in as many countries as you have.
3: Yeah, again, it's uh, traveling for me is uh, is always an experience. It's a learning experience and uh, embracing a, a new culture, trying to to learn new language, trying to, to connect with people. For me, it's something I... I am um, I am passionate about
2: you have a wife and one son correct yes and wh- were they traveling with you to all of these places?
3: no no some countries are very uh, are very uh not not unsafe but uh, it was better for me to uh, to travel when you travel you know Christian it's uh we work uh, 16 hours a day and uh, uh, we have... Um, Uh, we have a a soccer social network for families sometimes it's uh, it's difficult so when when I had six months six months or few months mission they they didn't travel with uh, with me they visited me but they didn't uh, come with me
2: but when you moved here in 2016 your family came with you to Chicago
3: yeah from the very beginning from the very beginning
2: You come here and your first role with U.S. soccer is as the lead instructor or the lead for the A license course?
3: Yes, correct.
2: Then as changes within U.S. soccer occur, you go from that role. Did you go directly from there to director of coach education?
3: Yes, started in uh, 2020, I believe, or sometime in 2020.
2: What was your first impression when you came to the U.S. in your first year here working? Obviously, you have this background in all these other countries, some of them where soccer is the most important sport, some of them where it's not, and then you come to the U.S. What was your first thought of American soccer, of the opportunity here, the strengths, the weaknesses when you got here? What did you think? I realized, uh, you know, when we
3: when you visit some countries, uh, yeah, it doesn't take time to understand the, the reality <laughs> Here, I realized uh, uh, every time I traveled it was a different reality and to me this diversity uh, is uh, is a strength uh, but also it's it's uh, it's connected with challenges because it's difficult to set up standards when we have uh, in, in this big country with uh, with different uh, different culture different uh, uh, soccer environment I would say uh, so I have to say, Took time for me to to really understand to really understand what is the game of soccer about in uh, in the US and uh, yeah I have to say uh, more than one year and a half it took me one more than yeah, more than one year and a half to uh, to have a basic knowledge of uh, of the game in uh, in in the US.
2: How much of of that learning? had to do with just the size of the country and the the difference from, you know, the Pacific Northwest to Miami, you know, in weather and culture and geography, how much of that was new to you or real to you? I mean, obviously anyone can look at a map, but it's very different than when you start trying to plan even as things as, as quote unquote simple as course delivery and execution. How much is the size of the country a challenge compared to some of the other places you've been?
3: It is, and at some point you think you you think you understand, but actually you don't. And uh, every time uh, I travel, I, I see something uh, something something different. So we face a lot of challenges in terms of uh, language. So when we set up uh, courses and curriculum, it's difficult to find the, the good language that could we could connect with all people across. Uh, across the us so for me it's a big uh it's a big it's a big uh, uh, challenge right now how could we uh, how could we uh, find a common soccer language we could use uh, in coach education and right now we are not really consistent so from grassroots to pro uh yeah we need to improve we need to improve here we need to become more consistent to have more influence across uh, across the country. You know, education is about helping people to, to learn. And that's our vision. We really want in the future to to help people to develop uh, their full potential. So working in education and especially with adult, the uh, so, so knowledge component is important, and uh, we need to be consistent. So we need to start with something they know, and progressively we need to add level of complexity. But sometimes I realize language language is uh, is a is a challenge. Well, US soccer language well understood in some part of the country, and more difficult in uh, in other in other region. So something we need to uh, we need to address.
2: You came, you did the A license, then you moved into the coaching education director role in 2020. Is that correct? Yes. So we'll talk here on the next segment on the future, because there's a lot of changes coming and things that you're leading that are exciting. What were some of the changes that you've made since 2020 when you took over coach education, or maybe that Barry had made when he took it over? How has the coach education philosophy changed from 2016 when you first arrived to today?
3: I don't know if I, uh, if I like this word change, uh, it's more evolution. And um, at some point uh, it's important uh, as Federation to, uh, to collect information from uh, our member association, from uh, coaches and to reflect on uh, where are we. And, um, and then after to make s- small steps. So what we decided uh, it's to move. At the beginning, it was all about teaching, teaching and learning. Now it's the other way around, and thanks to, uh, uh, to to Barry and people involved at that time. Now it's about the learner. It's focusing on learning, and then creating the tools to. Uh, to help people um, learn. In the past, it was all about uh, starting with uh, a methodology, a roadmap. We were very, very, very uh, tools-driven, but without clearly understand why do we need this specific methodology, why this specific roadmap, why this specific toolkit? Toolkit. So we made uh, we made a lot of uh, uh, research, and we work with. Uh, expert from the US involved in uh, education. So now we uh, we try to focus more on the learner and uh, to help with this idea of how can we influence this new generation of coaches? How can we influence them to create better learning environment for players? So that's, uh, I would say, the, the evolution. So we are not Curriculum driven anymore, and there is a big room for improvement. I I I know that, and uh, uh, but we uh, we are more people focused. We are more le- learner centred. I would say, if I compare with uh, few uh, few years ago.
2: And when you say learner centred, you're talking about putting the player and their needs, and and maybe their cognitive stage or their environment first in the beginning and at the primary the source of all of the material in your courses is that a fair statement yes so it's a fair statement so my job is uh is
3: more focused on uh, coaches but always with this idea how can we uh, how can we in- impact player development and looking at uh, where we are and uh, sometimes when uh, i travel i visit i visit clubs uh, i I can see things and uh, recognizing there is a lot of room for improvement on our end. If uh, uh, all these coaches need support and maybe we don't do a good job in terms of uh, education. So changing, changing or uh, not changing, but reflecting on our education process and how can we improve. In order to in order to avoid some situation, we can see uh, sometimes with uh, uh, coaches not really understand, not really understanding what they do, in inst- helping them to become teacher of the game instead of uh, them running activities. So that's that's something very important. If in the future if we could develop coaches able to help players learn, that will be great. We don't need. Uh, coaches to uh, to run activities. We need coaches able to understand what's in front of them and to use activities as a tool for learning. So that's that's the evolution we uh, uh, we see uh, right now. But we are responsible as federation. We are responsible and as a, as a coach, uh, players are assessed. Coaches are assessed on a regular basis. We uh, we need to assess ourselves. We need to recognize how we uh, how we can improve and um, and prepare the future. So that's what we try to uh, to do in terms of uh, in terms of vision and philosophy.
2: We'll take one more break here before we conclude cl- with looking forward and U.S. Soccer's coaching education department in 2023 and beyond. So we'll take a break and go here to the advertisers. Thanks for being on Break the Line.
0: ECNL Boys is partnering with Puma for the second year, driving sport forward with the leading products and the next generation of pros who wear them. Puma has proven themselves as the fastest sports brand in the world, the fastest innovation, the fastest players, and the fastest products in the game. They're the perfect partner to complement the speed and talent of our teams. In keeping with their mantra of forever faster, Puma introduces the world's fastest boot the ultra the only boot engineered for speed the ultra combines a woven upper with a lightweight outsole for direct forward motion speed and acceleration it's the best in the game designed for the best players in the game soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S. at the highest levels We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at Soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. Visit Soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game.
2: We're back at Breaking the Line with U.S. Soccer Coach Education Director Didier Chamberon. It's been really interesting discussion, Didier, is going through your background and some of the perspectives. I can't help but notice that you're a very reflective person and you seem very open to self-assessment and to looking at things and how they can change and be better. Where does that come from? Has that been a part of you and who you are from the beginning or have you learned the value of reflection and assessment and feedback?
3: I think it's a bit, uh, a bit of both. It's um, That's who I am. I am passionate about uh, learning and uh, learning is about starting with a self-assessment and uh, recognizing we are going to face challenges if we really want to learn. And uh, it's okay to feel uncomfortable. It's okay to say, uh, I don't know. That's what life is about. So being humble and recognizing uh, there is a lot of things that we don't know and uh, a lot of areas in improvement. It's something very, uh, very important, very important. But that's the type of environment we uh, uh, we want to create, we want coaches to create with their players on the field, on and off the field, saying it's okay to make mistake. It's okay to to uh, to take risk. We will find ways altogether. We want to do. Uh, we want to create this environment in in coach education. But that means, as federation and as coach education department, we need to apply this principle, and uh, we need to uh, we need to recognize areas of improvement. We need to ask for help. We need to uh, to take time to reflect because sometimes we encourage others to reflect. We ask others to apply principle, but we struggle in applying this uh, this principle. So that's something very important for uh, for us. The federation should be a, a role model and uh, and um, uh, always trying to reflect, always trying to uh, to improve in order to uh, to have an to have an impact across the country and again from grassroots to to the pro level.
2: So as you have reflected and looked at the evolution, as you say, of the coaching education program here with U.S. soccer, how is it changing going into 2023? There's a lot of things in the works and uh, exciting things. So can you give us a look forward at some of the new things or the changes in coach education coming in the next year or two?
3: Yes, an interesting, an interesting period for, for the US and I would say for North America. In North America, we were the last confederation who, to not have a, a regulatory framework uh, for coach education across the confederation. So they have one in Africa, in, in South America, in Europe with a UFA licensing system, we always hear things about UFA license, but actually it's just about, uh, that means uh, federation are part of a regulatory framework. It's called a, a, a coaching convention. So that means we have minimum standard across the confederation.
2: It's important because we've had this confusion. This is convention in the legal sense not convention in a meeting sense so a coaching oh. convention is a regulatory framework not a meeting like the united soccer coaches
3: absolutely and it's uh, it's um actually it's all about policy and procedures it's about minimum standard in terms of uh, in terms of uh, curriculum and in terms of uh, competencies minimum competencies to develop across across the pathway so that's what uh, uh Coaching Convention is uh, is about. So and what uh, what is important? We will be aligned in North America. We will be aligned with other confederation, and hopefully in in uh, in the near future we will have one licensing system, worldwide uh, licensing system. I hope at some point, and I believe at some point, FIFA is going to step in, and we will have uh, uh, a FIFA stamp on. Uh, on our on our uh, um, certificate so the big change uh, looking at uh, minimum uh, m- minimum standard and uh, re- regulatory framework starting in 2023 at the end of the course people from C level from C to Pro will receive a diploma it's a diploma you receive the diploma once in your life and it's uh, once uh, at the end of the course and it's for your life. Then after, you receive a license. A license, it's a three-year license. And if you want to maintain your license, you will need to go through continuous professional development. So that's something very exciting. Uh, Starting in 2023, we will have education in between U.S. soccer uh, courses. And for me, that's something huge. I don't believe education is... uh, is attending a U.S. soccer course. I don't believe so. Not at all. If we don't do anything at the end of the course, we can't say we have a license level. So in the future, all people, if they want to maintain their their license, they will need to attend continuous education recognized by the Federation. Some continuous education units will be delivered by by the Federation, but we really want to engage our members and we really believe it's uh, it's important to provide um uh, to provide all coaches across the country with different learning opportunities some will be in soccer but we we we, we might uh we might investigate we should investigate some areas of uh, um, research like uh, player development like uh, like uh, cognitive and physical demand of the game and so on and so on so it will uh, it will, uh, it will open in, in 2023. So formal education, it's what we used to do. It's what we are currently doing. And uh, in the future, we will have formal education leading to certification with a diploma and continuous professional development uh, leading to license renewal. So that's uh, a very important step in terms of education uh, for for the U.S. Uh, soccer community.
2: So to emphasize that this will be for the C license and above. So there will be continuing education requirements for any license C and above. And maybe to to give a specific example, a coach will go attend a U.S. Soccer or a Concacaf C. They will get a diploma at the end of that that says you have checked the boxes, you have done what you need to do to get this diploma but then for it to be an active license, you will need to do continuing education every three years. Is that accurate?
3: It is accurate. Uh, When you get your your diploma, you will receive a license uh, active for three years. So the first three years, it will be active. And then uh, then you will need to attend attend some education opportunities offered offered by the Federation and members. So, um, but you you will never lose your diploma. If you don't attend, your license will be inactive, but you are not going to lose your uh, your your diploma. So something important is because it's about um, it's where we were, it's why we were not recognized by other confederation, because we were the only confederation to not have this uh, uh, this continuous professional development plan. Continuous professional development plan is about maintaining and elevating standards. We can't expect coaches to impact players if after attending a U.S. soccer course, don't do anything. So that's that's the idea. It's not about a regulatory framework to to bother people. It's uh, to have an impact on player development. So that's part of the the regulation across across uh, uh, the world. It's not just uh, uh, in uh, in the U.S. It already uh, exists in other in other confederation, but we want to look beyond that. It's, we want uh, we want to provide also our uh, community uh, people who don't want to take uh, to take uh, a U.S. soccer course. We want to provide them with opportunities outside of the license renewal. To, to learn about the game, so different type of uh, education uh, opportunities on uh, on domains. Some will be online webinars, some will be uh, could be in person, and um, we really believe it's time to uh, to collaborate here with uh, all our members and to to provide our soccer soccer community with uh, with education, and it should be education should be accessible in region me it doesn't make sense when i see when i see people travelling hours to take uh, to take to take education so if they want to fair enough but uh, sometimes it's not a choice education education is not accessible in uh, in some region
2: so when i hear you say that is it also accurate to say that as part of this you'll be looking at ways whether it's in conjunction with members or by the federation for the courses themselves to be more regionally based, and then for the continuing education also to be more regionally based, so that in theory costs are lower and it's more efficient for coaches to have easier access.
3: Yes, absolutely, Christian. It's uh, starting in 2023, uh, members uh, will deliver C courses, and in 2024, they will deliver. B courses. but something very important because we speak about standards, and uh, like we will need to to make a report at the end of the year to, to stay in CONCACAF coaching convention. So we have some regulation, and uh, we have uh, uh, we need to be aligned with policy and procedures. So uh, members who are going to deliver C and B will also need to uh, to respect some uh, some standards. Some minimum, some minimum standards, but we really, we really believe it's important now to have C and B uh, courses delivered uh, across uh, across the country. And something important: it should be uh, the federation and members should have like a, a four-year plan, and this four-year plan being accessible, so then you can plan for your education.
2: I think it's almost impossible to overstate how important that changes for Cs and Bs to be delivered by members in a regional basis, because that that has a significant impact compared to, for example, everybody having to go to Kansas City to do those courses. So that, that should make it possible to have a lot more people take these courses here in the coming years.
3: And back to uh, something we discussed uh, earlier, it's uh, education should be also delivered by educators from the region. Now we speak about the culture of the region. So we should have minimum standard across the country. We should have the same curriculum, but we also need to recognize the culture is different. So how we, how we facilitate learning should be considered. It's, it's again, it's, uh, learning is about people. Recognizing uh, how to interact with, uh, with, uh, with players or, or coaches in the different parts of the, the country, it's something, it's something uh, uh very important so we would like, we would like to have more connection uh with courses more accessible across the country and courses delivered by uh, by educators so that's the first layer of our our uh strategy moving uh, moving forward we also have started an educator pathway so now it's uh, uh for people who want to become a US soccer educator it's something possible so there is an application there is an application process and all educator will receive education it's not it's also recognizing educator is a real job so coaches uh, before coaching you need to take courses players they they need to they need to train if they want to play coaches they need to attend courses if they want to if they want to, teach, to coach at, the, at a good level educators should do the same it's a coaching experience playing experience of course it helps but uh, uh, we also need to receive education and we need to understand the principle of learning the principle of mentoring the principle of assessing from a formative to a summative perspective the principle of managing a course so that's something now we are, we are we are doing and from Grassroots to uh, to pro level so I encourage all people interested in uh, teaching to contact us or to contact uh, the member Association in their region and to see uh, to to let them know they are interested in uh, they are interested in teaching. So if we develop, if we develop more educators, we should be able in the in the future to have more courses uh, across uh, across the country. And again, it's not just uh, uh, BA and uh, and pro, but now more courses in uh, in a real uh, course calendar across uh, across the country. And I would encourage us to go where we don't go. Right now, and a lot of a lot of region where we where we don't go. So I know it's difficult. Maybe it's a it's a it's a dream, uh, but I really believe in uh, developing uh, developing people. And if we develop people, we will make uh, we will make programs sustainable. I would say.
2: Well, this has been a really great conversation, and I feel like we could go on forever. But on a positive note, here we will continue this conversation because. You will be coming and presenting at the ECNL Coaches Symposium this February, and we're really excited for that. Where our coaches in the league will have the opportunity to to many of them know you, and those who don't will get a chance to connect with you. And those that do, you can reconnect with. But we really appreciate you speaking with us here. Um, really appreciate the work you're doing at the Coach Education Department because the changes that you've described here in the last 15 or 20 minutes are significant in the impact on the youth game in this country in terms of making things a little bit more collaborative, a little bit easier to attend, a little bit more open to ideas. I, for one, really appreciate that. And I know a lot of the coaches in our league appreciate your efforts. So really appreciate you being here. Fascinating background, Didier. And thank you for being a part of the game in this country. Now that you've been to just about every other country in the world, we're happy that you made a stop here in the United States.
3: Thank you for for the opportunity, Christian. And uh, I can't wait to meet you all in uh, in Vegas in February.
1: Fantastic. Beyond fantastic. Another excellent edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. I want to thank Christian and Didier, as well as Andrea Wheeler and all the great folks at the ECNL. Also, my producer, Colin Thrash, For each and every one of them and all of you, happy holidays. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast.
0: Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at infotheecnl.com. At Breaking the line, the ECNL Podcast is an ECNL production. ECNL, more than a league.